Welcome to the Michelle Mission Two Men One Podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, aka the Bat Tribble. Hello. And as always, I am joined by my partner right there. Hey, hey, this is Vincent Williams. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are bringing you our review of 2016's Slight. And it is not a film that Vince chose for this stop on the mission, nor is it a film that I chose for this stop on the mission. This is a film that was chosen by our very special guest. She is the uh, lifestyle columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and she is a quote-unquote dope chick. Ladies and gentlemen... Put your hands together for Elizabeth Wellington, who is right there. Hey. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Just fine. Just fine. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on this stop on the Michelle Mission. And thank you to each and every one of you who are out there watching us stream live on YouTube and on Facebook in our Michelle Mission uh, pages and facebook group we thank each and every one of you starting with the first one who leaves us a comment which is aaron fry who says good evening people so everybody say good evening to aaron good, good evening, evening to aaron, aaron. <laughs> that made fry. Him... <laughs> that made his day <laughs> that made his day um Elizabeth, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, sit down and and talk with us. And let me just ask you real quick, what does it mean to be the lifestyle columnist of the Philadelphia Inquirer? Well, before COVID, um, (laughs) pre-COVID, I kind of wrote about pop culture and style and fashion. And I just kind of chronicled what was happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, post COVID, I've been doing lots of like how to live better stories, mm. sort of like mm. tips on how to get through and how to, um, I'm actually working on a story now about, um, helping people understand what cultural appropriation is, oh, really? um, okay. which has been kind of interesting because, um, you know, it's this kind of concept now that, you know, it's not the same thing it was as it was in the nineties and how black bodies are being threatened and black history is being ignored but at the same time black culture is being stolen um by all people all the time because they don't understand history and don't care about black bodies so it's kind of an explainer about what it is and how it's changed and you know how it's not you know just Gwen Stefani you know deciding or I don't know I guess Adele you know wearing a Jamaican flag it's more like uh the professor Jessica Krug um, becoming a black woman so she can get a better job Mm. And I'm a black woman and I can't get a better job. So right. there, so that's kind of what that is. So that's been interesting to write. And, you know, just kind of like helping people work through rage and anger. Um, what it has made me is pretty neurotic because now I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to wear a mask and stay home. I just want to stay home and drink wine because there's no, it's safe here. <laughs> <laughs> because there's so much stuff going on out there. I'm like, y'all can go out to, you can go to those restaurants if you want to. I'm staying home. Um but so there's really that. you're not going out to the restaurant. I mean, because I have to, I do have to say that on my vacation a couple of weeks ago when I went to Rehoboth, I went to some very 
well-appointed and socially distant-minded restaurants and had a, a very good time. But no, Liz, Elizabeth, you're not having it. You're not. Elizabeth is not feeling it. If I can't order at home and sit on my couch and watch stuff like Slight or whatever I'm watching, um, Lovecraft Country with my wine, I buy a box of wine and sit home in my house. Um, until they work this out because I got too many sick people, too many old people we were just talking about around me, too many compromised immune systems. And I don't like the fact that they don't know, you know, all the impact about this, like how you have lung scarring after and all this other stuff. So they can keep the, and and plus I'm saving money. That's true. Mm. I'm not eating out. I'm saving money. I'm like, you know how much money I spent? You know how much money I spent on coffee and yoga and parking? I was a little, I, you know, I, I like, because I like to be in the street. I mean, I like <laughs> right. to be outside. I'm flitter, flitter, flattering all over the world. I'm like, hmm, I got seven chapters of my novel written and I got a box of wine. I am good. So, so Amazon Prime and Target aren't chasing after you and getting your money then? No, I'm not. You know, I've been actually really good. Like if I shop, like I'll go out and spend like $100, $150 in one fell swoop. And then I'm good for like two or three weeks. And then I'll go back. Like I've had to send people presents for birthdays and stuff, but I'm not out there just shopping. I was never like one to shop um, like that Rick James. Kid. I don't just shop just to shop. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but um, you know, even though I was in fashion and probably because I covered fashion so much and lifestyle stuff that I was just like, I knew it was like a hustle. So my next project is I'm going to go through my closet and get rid of all my clothes and just start. I'm going to be like one of those, since, you know, now I'm in my forties, I'm going to be one of those people that just wears like black all the time and funky glasses and like, you know, long dresses and just, you know, I'm getting rid of all my hottie twenties and thirties clothes. And I'm just going to be like Debbie Allen and be glamorous and fabulous all the time and long (laughs) stuff. So I got to go through my closet I got to go through my closet and get rid of all my cheap pole clothes. So that's my next project. <laughs> I like, okay. All right. Okay. 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 Uh, I th- it's interesting. I'm thinking about what's in my club. What cheap hole clothes. <laughs> right, right, right. I need right, to right, let right. go of. Many cheap pole cheap clothes in years. <laughs> Well, I, I will say, though, I will say, like, it probably was in my late 30s when I probably let go of my uh, my brown leather pants. So What? You had brown leather Eddie Murphy pants? <laughs> Shut up. I'm now, impressed. Now, was it the exact same brown that you are? So did it look like you weren't wearing pants so at all? So you were naked? Oh, this is good. <laughs> they were you were daffy ducking it? <laughs> they, they, were, they were a little darker. They were a little, they, they were a, a, a dark, soft brown. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they look good when I bought them when I was like 22. <laughs> Everything looked good when you were 22, boo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how they mm-hmm. get you. That's, mm-hmm. They tell you stuff when you're 22. <laughs> That's exactly how you get you. Um, Bree Bree 517, talking about uh, cultural um, appropriation, wrote that it was the Bantu knots for me. Adele, well, it was yeah. interesting. Yeah. It was interesting. I think, to me, I wasn't too mad at her for that because I feel like, I feel like culture, I feel like, I feel like that's kind of, I mean, we all borrow hairstyles and mm-hmm. and culture and 
And, you know, as long as she wasn't saying, I created Bantu knots, you know, like the whole Kardashians created like cornrows and everything. Right. I'm not so mad about that. I, I got over, and, and I went through that phase where I was salty all the time. Every time I saw a white woman in dreads, I was like, who are you? Um, you know, I want to take it down. Like, you don't know about this. Um, but now I feel like, you know, it's fine. Be a barista, wear dreads. I mean, we, that's what culture is about. It's, it's, but so for me, appropriation is about stealing, stealing something and not giving somebody credit or then, but if, she, but say if Adele opened up a hair studio that did Bantu knots and didn't have mm. any black stylists in there, then, I, then, then it becomes appropriation to me. So I think that's like kind of, Hmm. So that's kind of the difference. I think we're all at a point now where we're borrowing and shifting and changing and, you know, culture, like, you know, culture. Okay. But what are we borrowing from white people? Cause there's, no, there's nobody borrowing anything from white people. Well, I, you know, that's a good question, but I think it's not, we're not that's, borrowing. That's we're forced to assimilate into the culture. Right. So, right, but, it's, that's, it's, that, but yeah. that's not borrowing. It's like, it's just, it's there. Cause see, I guess the question is, Black culture is is American culture, too. Like, we, we are a part of America. So, right. and that's when the lines get kind of fuzzy. Like, we you know, we get dressed up in business suits every day. We wear 18, you know, we're wearing this 18th century, late 19th century style clothes. Um, you know, Black women sometimes dye their hair blonde. Mm-hmm. You know, that's Very not true. appropriation. That's just, you know, it's a style. Some some women just like blonde hair. Some chicks just like Bantu not. Some people just like dress. Um but it's now, when you squeal it. Uh-huh. How does it fit into your equation that she looked ridiculous? <laughs> I think it's a legitimate question because, like you said, a sister have blonde hair, or you know, brothers. That's and true because I am anti-black women with blonde hair. I, I like, am anti that unless they make it work. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I think a lot of it is you look ridiculous. Well, also, but see, and that's... none of your friends told you. Don't do that. You look ridiculous. Well, here's the thing with that. As as <laughs> as, as a as a um as an armchair fashionista that I am, um, sure. as I sit and watch the red carpet and decide, looking ridicul- ridiculous is not a crime. No, Everybody no, has no. the right. You have the right to look ridiculous, and my ridiculous could be your fly. So that's very subjective. So I can't really judge i can't it's not it's not right when we as people and black people are so good at just like oh that child she looks ridiculous but then you know it stops creativity it stops the flowing you know the, the inflow of energy i'm not really concerned with how ridiculous i think somebody looks although i will sit in the corner like the other chick and talk about somebody who looks ridiculous and i expect people to talk about me and my whole clothes if i was ridiculous <laughs> however i so i think that 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 is a fair thing but that's not what the judgment is the judgment is is that what her intent was and even though she looked ridiculous i don't think adele's intent was to steal a style and make it her own and not give the people credit who created it. In fact, she wore the look as a Brit, as a British person. She grew up in brick, not far from Brixton in London. And a lot of her friends were black Brits and she was kind of wearing it to show she probably went to the Caribbean day parade. She hung Mm -hmm. out with black people and she was like, these are my, you know, I love these people. I'm, you know, we can't do the Caribbean day parade and this is why we're doing it. So I think her intent was, was was pure um even though she looked ridiculous do you think she showed that to her friends before these black friends before she went out i 
maybe, perhaps. I don't. I think she probably did. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not Adele. I'm not British. You know. But Follow if she question. are those really her friends? <laughs> okay, now you're just taking it to the next level of stankness, which I'm okay you. with. But let's I'm be clear. <laughs> you know, I'm a big proponent of checks and balances. We all make decisions, but it's always good to have good. I say it all the time. Good counsel. So what I got from that. Mm-hmm. Is that either A, she didn't have any black friends, or are those really your friends? Because that was something that reflected bad counsel. My my sister, um, my sister Adrian loves to famously say when she sees somebody that has, let's say, questionable fashion sense, mm-hmm. um, she'll just say, no mirrors, no friends. <laughs> and Wise woman wise woman and i think what adele was really trying to do more than more than cop black culture she was trying to show off her new body i mean I think so, girl, yeah. she yeah. lost all this sure. weight she had on this little tight little mm-hmm. top thing she mm-hmm. was trying to get her whole clothes in while she still was of the age where it was appropriate so she that's what she was doing like she was just trying to show off her body. and so i'm like look if that's how you want to show off your body you know that's what her and that's more of the issue too like why'd you you know it's all these things come to happen, but I think it's intent in the end of the day. And I don't think her intent was the Kardashian intent or sure. the Jessica Krug intent, or I think I'm to my piece saying her name wrong, or the Rachel Dolezal intent, or right, right. or um, the Beatles intent when they sold, you know, or right. you know everybody's intent and in, because in, and, and profiting off of it, you know. Now we can argue that she profits off of black sounds when she sings, but mm. but then again. So did John B. And he really liked the people, you know? And I, so I don't think she was like, I think it's like, it's different if, it's different when she does it as opposed to Ivanka Trump. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a whole different, it's the intent of the person, which I think is kind of key. And if anybody um, out there in uh, in the Michelle Mission land doesn't know exactly what picture we are referring to. Oh, uh, y'all look good. Adele in her Bantu knots. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was just my body type talk. <laughs> and, and but you know, in her, in her seen... defense, I don't think. And, and somebody actually mentions. Listen, listen to Vince. Um, somebody actually <laughs> mentions that it's it's not like she was doing it for a photo spread for a magazine. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that it, it she was just being. You are so wrong, Vince. Vince is just. <laughs> Vince can't stop. <laughs> Vince. Vince, chill, man. <laughs> chill, Vince. All right, it's gone, Vince. It's gone. <laughs> but, here's the, but here's the other question. Um, when I saw that picture of her, did you guys also see in the same week the picture of Tracy Ellis Ross on the cover of Elle? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I, yeah, I don't know that. if I did. So Tracy Ellis Ross did a cover uh, of oh, Elle. Yes, yeah, yeah, I did with, with the hair. With the, the, the pickaninny <laughs> braid thing. And that's, a, to me, that's a more interesting question of cultural appropriation because like white people put her on the cover like why am I whispering I'm on a show with black people but white people put her on the cover of Elle magazine you know you know we're trained well you got to whisper the word white That's how- <laughs> so you don't want to summon them like candy man like, white people <laughs> you say white too loud they show up <laughs> but- they'll regentrify where you live you won't be able to afford to live there anymore 
So, but you know, she showed she was on the cover of L with the, the braids, and it was a trigger to so many. Yes, thank you. Yeah, you are good. Y'all are good. <laughs> for real, for real. Skills. <laughs> and so that, you know, that dress and, the, and the, you know, that 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 hairstyle was such a trigger to people. And I think on this level, this is it's interesting on appropriation here too, because you know, the fashion industry likes to exoticize black people. Mm-hmm. And when they do exoticize black people, it's like they it's like, is that a celebration? Is that make it's not clear to me. And I love Tracy Ellis Ross. She is my friend in my head. I want to I you know she's one of my heroes. And I'm just like, girl, when they started putting those ponytail things in your head, didn't you stop them? Um so I don't know. You may have other thoughts about that, but to me, that's more a cultural appropriation than what Adele did, because that image is that's an image that no one that people didn't respect, and now all of a sudden you're just gonna plop it on to you know it's just I don't know. I found that a little bit more. So do you think Tracy Ellis Ross had no no decision making in that at all? She she had that's the thing she had to like if you're when you're working with these magazines. You know, celebrities they get to they get to pretty much sign off on the picture that goes on the cover. That's they have publicists that work with them, so I'm conf- I'm confused. So, um, is it appropriation if Tracy Ellis Ross says, "I want to run with this picture"? Maybe run with this picture. That's the. I don't know. I mean, it feels like it, but maybe it is because maybe it's not because she gave her permit. It's her body, so she gave permission for that. I don't because, know, but, but these are the questions that I ask, and right, I don't right. know. And and you know now we're now now we're starting to orbit very close to you know it's you can't have more than one third rail but work with me the various third rails in the black community of, mm-hmm. of skin tone and mm-hmm. and and hair grade and you know she's biracial and everything like Tracy Ellis Ross and hair is going to be a dissertation in like 60 years anyway. Well, you know she has the, the hair company pattern. I know, I, I know. Her stuff, and her stuff is good. So right, right. The, pro- the product is lovely. So it's it's one of these things. And But then again, she's so... And at the same time that happened, the Kamala Harris discussions were happening. They were questioning Absolutely. her blackness. And so there's this question of like, what is... Like, like people are defining what blackness Right. Is, we're we're looking at blackness, what blackness is, and talking about it. But at the same time, some of our our blackness is being stolen in the same way. It's, right. it's really hard to explain, which is why probably why I'm still trying to finish the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right. And who has access to what blackness? Mm-hmm. Brief, brief. Yeah, and so that was a good point. I can understand glamorizing because I think that's, but I think also that's probably what Tracy did. She was like, "Look, right. I want you to use this because I want you to make this a beautiful image." But it's, but then you have what what um, Vincent was saying because you have this one thing is about does a light skinned woman or a biracial woman get to glamorize that when that was right. never her stilo back in the nineteen thirties in the first place? Like that's not what a biracial woman would look like that would be more like how they would i would look in the 30s or lupita would look in the 30s that would be and that wouldn't be glamorous at all so can you glamorize something that wasn't even aimed at you in the first place and say that you're remaking it right and i agree and i think that's where it gets murky where we start gatekeeping each other like i'm actually i'm actually very comfortable gatekeeping against white people but when we start gatekeeping amongst ourselves, mm-hmm. I, I think I think those are the conversations that we should probably be having. And this has gotten much deeper than I plan on getting right now. Lynn, can you go with that picture of Adele again? 
Can you do a picture of Adele again? Talk to Adele one more time for me, please. <laughs> there is no way she has black friends that told her that's what's hot in the street. Do that, Dell. You got that, Dell. Oh, yeah, come on, Dell. Let's go. Anyway. <clears throat> Lynn, please tell me if I ever looked that ridiculous. Oh, oh, uh, I will, bruh. I can't, pro- <laughs> I can't promise it won't be after the camera snaps, though. <laughs> but I will tell you, I'm like Vince. Look at this picture. See how ridiculous you look. <laughs> That's what's hot in the streets. <laughs> Speaking of, um, to a degree, cultural uh, appropriation uh, brings us to a little bit of a topic that uh, Elizabeth was mentioning to me earlier about possibly wanting to get into. Um, and that is a show that Vince and I spent all last night talking about, which was Lovecraft Country. Oh. And, and particularly the most recent episode uh, episode five, Strange Case, which told the story of Ruby um, in the life of a as living as a white woman. Um, and it was a very. I mean, first of all, it was a, it's a it was a very for a horror series. This was probably one of the most the goriest of the five episodes that has that have aired so far the most unsettling in many ways you know um physically as well as psychologically um and it was one that actually left an effect on the actress uh wumi masaku who plays ruby uh she actually did a an interview with um oh wow <laughs> This this is turning to the L podcast. She did an interview with L magazine, uh, mm-hmm. uh, where she broke down Ruby's choice um, for living the life that she did a, a, as a white woman in that scene, and basically also speaks about um, her place in Hollywood as a British actress. You know, um, uh, it, it, taking on this role in uh, Lovecraft Country, which is a decidedly American tale because it talks about uh, Jim Crow America in the 50s from a horror point of view. Uh, uh, Elizabeth, you are a fan of this show. Did you watch last night's episode? I did. I watched Sunday night's episode. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was... It was definitely gory. I still think the first episode was the first most gory to me, like taking the guy's arm off but the flesh of this episode was weird mm-hmm. like I saw, like mm-hmm. the flesh fall off um i mean it's so it was um it was unsettling but really interesting like i couldn't stop watching at the same time and yeah. i wanted to see um the connection um for all of this and at the you know living i guess as if, if a black woman was presented with the idea of living as a white woman, because um, you know she kind of wanted to leave the little serum thing. Because mm-hmm. I guess she had to hold on. Did she? And I wasn't clear. Did she have to ingest it? Did she have to hold on to it? No, she had to ingest it. She had to ingest right, it. Right, she had to drink it. Mm-hmm. So you had to drink it, and then you 
Like, and, and it was interesting too the way that they made this actress because she's a full. Mm-hmm. She's not like a tiny black woman, which she could go right. in and out. She's a so she had to bust out like. Mm-hmm. In order to be her, she had to bust out of the smaller white woman's body. Like she had to, and the 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 imagery and the symbol symbolism was really kind of um, interesting. Like I feel like I need to watch it. Like I feel like I have to watch these like two or three times anyway, just to kind of get them. And so, so the, so the, it was so, it was so graphic. It was really well done. It was really graphic. And it was really like, I don't know what it was like for her, like you said, the actress to come out, to grow out of a, you know, she had to bust out of a white woman every time with white flesh falling off. It was, it was kind of masterfully done and definitely, um, definitely like kind of leaves you shaken afterwards. Um, but there were a lot of other parts. The Montrose story became pretty yeah. interesting in that um, the whole, like, you know, I wonder if the error was in me because they had him sort of in like a ballroom setting. And I don't know if, if that setting was would have been accurate for the 50s, but maybe not. Like, I feel like that's something you would have seen in the 20s and the 70s, but I don't know if the 50s, it would have been there, but probably like kind of in an underground kind of way. In an underground way, um, I could imagine. Yeah, I could yeah. see that. Um, I could, and also the relationship between um, Atticus and um, Letty is kind of moving forward. Um, I should say so. Yes, it, it, mm-hmm. in an interesting kind of way that neither of them were kind of expecting. Um, so, but I mean, it, it's 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 masterfully done, um, and it's 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 a show that that that. You can watch it and find all these clues and have these different podcasts. So, I mean, it's like, there's so many things to say about it. It's hard to say, but it is it is horrifying. Like, it's it's really horrifying. I think the vampire scared me the most. That first episode, I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to watch this again. Because <laughs> when those little eyes started, and I love a vampire flick, but when those eyes went off and teeth showed up, I was like, ah, it was, that was a little bit too much. What did you guys think? You guys probably talked about it last night, which I missed it, but yeah, I, 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 I loved it. The... Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I, I thought it was brilliant, and mm-hmm. and I love I love the way Ruby's black body has mm-hmm. been presented throughout the series, frankly, mm-hmm. and 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 certainly last night is the culmination of of how her body has been presented. Mm-hmm. As, you, as you said, she is she's a bigger black woman. She's solid, yeah. She's and solid. she's a dark brown black woman, and, mm-hmm. and certainly. The history of the dark brown, overweight female body is not one that has been presented well. And to be sexy, right? To be and, sexy. well, and, and that's what I was about to say. I think what is so radical about Ruby is that from the first moment we see her in the first episode, and she's on stage and she's playing her instrument, and you, you know, it's like that glow because she's been sweaty, and and it is very sensual. Mm-hmm. And you very rarely see a black woman who looks like her presented in that way. Mm-hmm. And then each episode, I, I think they've been working towards it. So you know, we t- like you said, we did talk about it last night, and and each metamorphosis last night at, in that episode, I thought you had this wonderful journey until you got to the very end, to the final. And and what we were saying is 
And what I what I said when the episode came on, and they were using the caterpillar and butterfly imagery, mm. and and certainly they tried to you know present that the white woman was the butterfly, but you know Misha Green and them were going to subvert it. Like like that was no surprise that by the end Ruby is the butterfly. Yeah, amen. Mm. What, That's right. what she does when she bursts out of that cocoon of the white woman and she's standing triumphant. I, I thought it was I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I and, thought you know, it was and she's completely self-aware which is yeah. really nice the whole time and she's self-aware in a way that she's like I'm just as good as the next person I'm gonna get this job at this at this space you know I'm gonna I'm gonna at this at this you know it's interesting that they pick the department store the fashion is fantastic on on the, on the mm-hmm. show like the period pieces are wonderful the hair is right um you know if you've seen pictures of my grandparents probably yours you it's completely relatable, Spot on. you know, Spot on. even, yeah. even, even her, you know, pointy bra, um, mm-hmm. the polka dots, the hairstyles, the Marcel's, um, you know, so it's, it's really, um, um, Atticus's clothing. Um, he, that man can wear a tight t-shirt. Not that y'all want to hear that, but. Oh, yeah. we heard it last yeah. night. Um, oh, we've, we've heard, we've heard. Yes. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. <we've> heard. <laughs> His t-shirt has many fans. His t-shirt is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I I think even that is worth noting, that Mm -hmm. Atticus is sexualized as much, if not more, More. than the women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's something you don't He's also so nerdy, too. So his timing, he's not like the sexy, like... He's just so like his sexiness kind of grows on you he's, when he pulled mm-hmm. when he pulled, pulled his glasses out the first time. I was like, oh, he's kind of interesting. Um, so you kind of <laughs> like first I was like, well, who's this? And I was like, oh, he's got the glasses and his shirts are fantastic. His fat, the people who do the fashion of that is fantastic. So it's such a great period piece, but it did make me, you know, the nerd I am. It did make me like kind of look up who H L Lovecraft is and who the HP. guy who wrote <laughs> HP. Sorry, <laughs> HP. Oh Lovecraft. yeah, oh, my bad. Um, and who, and also not only that, but the person who wrote Lovecraft Country is not African American either. That's right. So, so mm-hmm. the so so the story is really interesting because you can, and it doesn't, and they don't really follow the book at all. Like they have the parts mm-hmm. of the house, and there's different parts of like the the um the the conspiracy. What is it? I was um, the the lodge that's right. in there, but they made some changes, some conspiratorial changes. Um, which are kind of interesting. So, I, I, I mean, I want to see what happens with that. I want to see how they would become another next series for it. Um, and it's such a good genre to actually have. Mm-hmm. Um, on, I've never seen, you know, we watch a lot of HBO and a lot of that stuff. So I can see why it's such a, it's such a good genre. It's so, um, it's interesting. And it's, it's kind of, and it's so reflective of where we are um, mm-hmm. with black bodies and fear and monsters. And, and, the, and, the, and you can even make, you can even connect it to what's happening in the in the White House. Like those are monsters. Like it's a lot of like who would you wanna who would you rather be caught by? A vampire or that mean racist police officer who was the sun downtown and he was awful. Like it was just, you know, there's so much to say about it's so so packed. Or um, you could uh, now, t- talk about the uh, the police chief who, when he took off right. his shirt, you could see that he had like a black body underneath his yeah. his shirt there. Go ahead, Vince. You want to say? Okay. No. Well, well, I wanted to do not to go back down this road, but to absolutely go back down this road. You just said it. If H.P. Lovecraft is the sort of impetus for the whole conversation, uh-huh. and H.P. Lovecraft, like when you look into his work, it really is his xenophobia mm-hmm. across the board, mm-hmm. kind of him the fuel to write everything that he writes. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Wolf, 
Is it Matt Wolf? Matt Wolf? The, the, the novel. Matt something. Matt, I think it's yeah, Matt. But he's also white. So now mm-hmm. you have two layers of whiteness mm-hmm. where you have two white men talking about race, mm-hmm. either obliquely or in the case of the the novel, directly, Lovecraft Country. But then you have Misha Green, who's sort of the mastermind mm-hmm. and the creator of this novel. The, the series. And she's taking it, the series, and turning it into something else. And we were just saying a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. black people don't borrow anything from white people. Would you say this is an- analogous to Adele looking ridiculous and Bantu not? Or is this something different? Oh. Um, it's Quiz the Reporter here on the show mission, ladies and gentlemen. I know. That's, that's deep. <laughs> Talk about catching a sister off guard. Let's see. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think that is, is, so is this, well, I think, I think, it, it, no, it's because in this case, I'm sure that Misha Green and HBO had to buy the rights to this okay. man's book. So Matt, and Matt Ruff was Matt, the writer. To Matt, sorry, to Matt Ruff's right. book. Mm-hmm. And H, now we could figure, now I don't know how much, like did, did Matt Ruff need to get HP, because he wrote this based on HP Lovecraft's writings, right? right. So he basically, yeah. he took, so how much does Matt Ruff know? I mean, I never read the original book, Lovecraft Country. Um, I kind of want to check it out, but um, well, you should. It's good. It's it's a great book. So yeah. yeah. So from so if you've read the book, did he get blackness right in that? In 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 I, that I book, think he, I I think he did. But I think the changes that Misha Green has made, made make it more have, has has deepened it mm-hmm. and complicated. For instance, Ruby isn't overweight in the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So right there, that kind of you, you know you have like Letty was a lighter skinned black woman. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really deal with that, mm-hmm. and you know, and the the, the the complexity of complexion with us, mm-hmm. if you will, that it looks like they're going to deal with it on the show. But right. and um, and I don't believe Montrose was gay in the book. Okay. So it's those kind of changes. Changes. Um. Well, you never. You, well, we know him as Omar, so you never know what Omar is going to do. Like just the actor. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you know. Yeah. yeah. It, it, like it doesn't even surprise me anymore. Like ooh. That's a possibility. Um, he surprised me because I think uh, I, I mentioned it last night. This was like maybe the first time I've seen that actor Michael K. Williams smile on screen. Like he he always is wearing that scowl. Um, That's true. Right? That's but, true. But he actually is allowed to you know uh, display joy on, mm-hmm. the, on the screen, even though you may feel like a little weird about him about the character exp- uh, displaying this joy, though. Well, well, this, that brings me to another point. But before to finish this, so I don't know if this is actual appropriation because I think that HBO bought the rights to Matt Ruff. Matt Ruff's not getting ripped off. We know it's his book. We know this came from him. It's a film adaption. Right. So okay. is that cultural appropriation? No, culture. You know, it's def- and that's a good question because the definition of cultural appropriation is when you take an idea. Now, if he wrote, if he took this idea and kind of, it's like stealing a beat, right? He took the idea, so didn't didn't mm-hmm. give credit to it. You know. There's so many similarities that you can't now, now that you can tell um, that it's from there, then that would be like kind of cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. But um, the other question I wanted to see, so in the 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 spirit that came back to life um, mm-hmm. the week before, 
the Indian, the two, two oh, spirits. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. And, and, mm-hmm. and you saw that. Yahima. Yahima. And it's not clear to me why he would kill Yahima. You know, that's like a probably a conversation over whiskey or something. I'm sure we have to move on. But the the issue, but I wonder if it was symbolic that he you, he kills Yahima and then the next episode you see that he's he's gay. Like he would be right. a two spirit, like you know, in in the classic just, um, thing. He would like to be, you know, a two, and what and what the sim, what the purposes and the symbolism. I'm sure he killed. Her, I don't. Well, I don't know why. You guys probably have more thoughts about that. But if that's kind of all connected, like this, if the sexuality part is connected with the horror, with that spirit, and I'm sure. I don't it know. Is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I suspect they haven't told us everything yet. Okay, I thought but, I might have missed it. No, but you know, I think certainly them being intersex and and Montrose dealing with his own sexuality, mm-hmm. certainly. Yeah, I've certainly yeah. played a part played a part in it, and yeah. and like uh, we, again, we also mentioned uh, last night. We thought that it was very interesting and timely that the episode speaks about the silencing of the Yahima character um, in such a violent way. At the end of the episode, the beginning of the next episode offers commentary on that by way of the characters uh, speaking to it. Um, So I think that is something that, you know, without reading the book, I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Matt Ruff maybe doesn't have the, you know, the wherewithal um, to put something like that in writing in the book. That is where the difference comes by having Misha Green and Jordan Mm -hmm. Peele and all Mm -hmm. of, and all of these people uh, involved in adapting this story, giving it that much more weight, that much more significance. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. So it, it it really is an an incredible achievement. uh, Lovecraft country, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not watching it on HBO, I invite you to do so. And then if you want to get in, in the conversation that reviews uh, Lovecraft country every Monday night at 9 PM, I myself, the Bat Tribble. I'm joined by my Black Tribbles and occasionally our very special guests like Vince last night for the Safe Tribble Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, where we review each and every episode of the series. They just had the fifth episode. There are five more this season. Vince is already booked to come back on for the season finale. Um so and hey, and if and, and if Elizabeth is willing, I'd be more than happy to welcome you onto the stream as well to to talk about the the show as well all right that could be fun now Now, real quick before we get into our review um you said that this would be a fun topic to talk about over whiskey um elizabeth and i'm sure it would be vince is a is vince is a man who never passes up whiskey unless he's feeling under the weather um (laughs) but that's an old joke (laughs) <laughs> but I also noted that on Twitter that you are also a fan of Prosecco. If I uh, oh yeah, I like Prosecco. You like Prosecco? <laughs> okay, okay. Now, I almost was gonna drink some while I was doing this interview, but I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if they're ready for all that. Um, oh no. 
Well, I'm I'm curious about this because because I myself, as I and I have told Vince, I've only recently been introduced to Prosecco um, from by my lady who was a hardcore Prosecco uh, drinker. Um, she's probably drinking it now, and uh, I'm curious. Um, where did your love affair for Prosecco begin, and what brand of Prosecco do you drink? Hmm. I can't really answer when my love affair with Prosecco began because it was in I the can... womb. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I do love wine. Let me tell you. Um, That's not juice in that juice box. <laughs> um, so, but I like, um, I like Josh Prosecco. That's what I was drinking. I was drinking Josh. Because the beautiful thing about Prosecco, it's like bubbly and dry and, and it's not super sweet. It's not mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm not, like I don't, I'm, I, I think I, I was never, I'm not the sweet wine girl. Um, I don't like, um, what is that sweet wine that everybody talked that, that was hot for a while. It was like, everybody had to have it. No, recently it was okay. It was like the real cheesy one that everybody thought they were really cool when they were drinking it. And it begins with an oh. M and my brain, my brain is broken right now. So um, I can't remember, but um, some, somebody will remember and put it in. I can Google Moscato. it. Moscato. That's okay. it. Moscato. Oh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, so terrible. Um, but I, but I, <laughs> We used to just like, you know, Prosecco um, as a sort of a cheaper version of champagne when I was making mimosas. Mm -hmm. And then I was Mm -hmm. like, but you can drink this straight or you can mix this with other stuff. And it's just good and dry and tasty. I like, but I do like Josh and I like La Perla, which is good. La Perla. La Perla. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's like $12. Or La La Marca. No, La Marca. Yeah, because La Perla is the underwear. I'm about to say. La Marca. La Marca. And it's the purple purple bottle. And, you know, whatever's on sale at the... I mean, you know, some people are like, oh, I only drink this, I only drink that. I drink what's on sale at the wine store. Mm. Um, (laughs) And I am not ashamed. Mm. Uh, Kay Martin says, Moscato, don't do it. It's awful. It's like that. It's like drinking cat pee. It's awful. Oh, God. I didn't know it was that bad. It's just just too sweet. It's just, and everybody thought it was like so cool. I think I'll have a Moscato. And it's like you kind of lulled into it and it's just like, it's terrible. It's it's so cheap. Um, But yeah, but I like. Do you consider yourself a wine snob? Are you a wine snob? No, I'm not wine snob I just you know what I just I don't like sweet I'm a wine snob when it comes to sweet wine because I think that okay now I'm talking about black people I think black people (laughs) just overdo it with sweet wines I mean you Mm. miss the beauty of the palette of wine like if you want you want a chardonnay that's oaky you want a a red that's dry a cab that's dry Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. you want you know you don't want like sweet wines like Kool-Aid like that um, mm. If you want sweet wine, you should just have a popsicle and keep it moving. Um, so, what do you think about plum wine? Now, I do like plum wine um, because I like sushi. But plum wine is, but plum wine is like a different kind of. It's a different. It's a different thing. It's not like sweet, sweet moscato. It's, it's, you can get plum wines that are a little bit more drier. You can get them, you know, and you can only have like one. But I will. But I do like a port. 
I do like a port wine. And port is oh. like a dessert wine. So I, I do like a, port. a dessert wine. But, but I like a solid, a Having hard little glass. Yes, yes. I have a little you, glass. A little glass that you hold like this and you sit you by a fireplace. like a cigar. Now, those are nasty. What? Cigars. Cigars. Oh, I, I, hey, you're the one drinking the port and, and having the cigar. I thought you were going to go out in the, in the balcony and split up Africa. No, I don't do cigars. I don't do cigars. Cigars are nasty. They're, they're just they're offensive. But um, <laughs> but yeah. So, but I do. This part of good. Africa is for Portugal. What, what the hell are you talking about, Vince? I don't know. Old white guys. I, whenever old white guys having port and cigars, I just assume they're exploiting Africa. Hmm. Kay Martin says you, you are speaking her love language hashtag great wine mm-hmm, uh, but mm-hmm. also says that Lamarca with some La Perla could be a great could be night. a great girl you ain't lying <laughs> <laughs> you are not lying especially if Idris Elba shows up but we don't have to go oh, okay <laughs> okay all right well <laughs> on that note ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Because he's not even in the movie, so you can't even segue to him, Lynn. I can't. <laughs> I, 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 I can't. Yo, but um, you should, but you can. Uh, what's his name? Who's um in the movie is really cute, so we can segue to him. Um, Jacob Lattimore. Hill Jacob, or, Jacob, or, or, or the Jacob Lattimore. Boy. Jacob Blake. Jacob Lattimore. He's cute. Now he, yeah. you know, he's jailbait, but he's really cute. So we I can was about to say, my fifteen-year-old daughter was talking about him. He's cute. Yeah, he's cute. <laughs> he's cute. But he's older. I googled him. He's not like he's no. He's about twenty. Is he not twenty eight? Is he not thirty? He's at least thirty, I think. He's not like twelve or anything. It's okay. weird when you see how old these act actress, uh, mm-hmm. actors really are. I know because um, we actually just watched uh, oh what was it Project Power on Netflix with Jamie Fox, mm-hmm. um, and the the young lady that is in that movie basically is playing like a 13 14 year old person mm-hmm. she's 29 wow and very convincingly you do not mm-hmm. you, you think she, she's 14 years old like i'm mm-hmm. like wait a minute did they film this movie 15 years ago like what the hell is up like i don't believe that she is actually 29 but she is mm-hmm. 29 years old it's kind of uh, like storm reed is 57 years <laughs> old <laughs> Now that's a segue. She's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Don't crack. Don't crack. Storm Reed is fifty-seven. That's funny. <laughs> she was supposed to speak at the March on Washington and stuff happened. Yes, yes. Let's watch Storm Reed, uh, winner of the Best Newcomer of nineteen sixty-six, and in... <laughs> JD Dillard's slight our film. Here on the Michaud Mission. Uh, Check this out, ladies and gentlemen, and we will be right back. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. can see there's no string at all. What's your name? A uh, Holly. You can grab it, Holly. How did you do that? It's 
So you do magic? I mean, a, a little. <laughs> my dad passed a while back, and my mom passed last year. It's just me and my little sister Tina. Love my life. What's up? <laughs> you have been doing good. I've been hearing his new supply in the area. Homie moves into our backyard and starts selling like I don't exist. We're gonna pay him a little visit. Talk to him about etiquette. I wish I could move Tina to a neighborhood with a better school, surrounded with better people. You having my money? Don't mess up, man! I gave you a job when you needed it most. I'm not gonna kill you and every person you know. What's happening? Nothing you need to worry about. Just hard being a grown-up sometimes, that's all. I have no idea how this happened. I'm gonna help you figure this out. I can learn a trick. I can do something no one else can. Oh my god. I need more power. This isn't for a trick, is it? There's a lot of things in our lives that can trap us. But these barriers only exist if we let them. You know, we can do whatever we want if we just believe we're able to. A young street musician named Bo is left to care for his little sister after, after their parents' death and turns to illegal activities to keep a roof over their heads. Slight, a 2016 American superhero film, uh, is directed by J.D. Dillard, written by Dillard and Alex uh, Theroux, and stars Jacob Lattimore, Saisho Gabriel, Storm Reed, Sashir Zamata, Michael Villar, and Dule Hill. This film from 2016 was the selection of our very special guest, Elizabeth Wellington of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Elizabeth, what say you of slight i liked it i thought it was a good i thought it was a good film i i don't know if it was a superhero movie um <laughs> because i felt that you know um i felt that it was it wasn't really until the end like i thought it was a movie about magic like right. he was a magician. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't until the end where the superpowers happened and the superpowers, yeah, they were kind of, I guess, engineered like an Iron Man thing. And it's not like he was flying and doing a bunch of stuff. But I thought that, you know, like superhero movie, that's is more action. Like I see people take people out through the whole movie. Mm -hmm. um, but this, but it, but it was good. It was more, I definitely would consider it kind of science fiction-y. Um, and I thought that it was, um, I thought it was really well told. And I thought that the actor um, was believable. The only, the only part that didn't track for me is how mean Dule Hill's character became. Like it didn't, I wasn't, I didn't get like why one minute, why he wanted Jacob Lattimore's character to be so indebted to him. Like one minute they were, he was, he was like a low level dude. Next minute he's taking him on killing. You know, just, right, that didn't right, really track right. for me. So I'm like, well, it's not like he wanted to do this. It's not like he ripped him off. It's not like, 
you know, if he brought him into a killing for like no reason almost, right? It's like it's he just wanted him to like give somebody's phone number, see who this dude was, and now all of a sudden he's he's a he wants him to be a bad like the initiation part I just didn't kind of get. Um so that to me was like I guess it was part of the motivation because um I'm looking weird. Um it was part of the motivation because that drove like the rest of the movie. Yeah, but the yeah. actual so it was like I didn't it just he was just too, he he got too mean too fast for no reason, but other than that, like the the magic, the, the what he put in his arm, kind of that Iron Man thingy to to lift up the batteries, like you knew that was coming, or how he did things, it was it was interesting. He was a, you could see he was a smart kid and he liked science, and this is what you can do if you're good with science. So yeah, you can. I liked it. Basically, turn your mm-hmm. arm into an electromagnetic magnet mm-hmm. Uh, exactly and that was where the science fiction came in yeah um yeah you know so i thought but i thought it was i thought and it was suspenseful like at the end i was like you know holding my breath like what's gonna happen so i definitely felt the suspense in it and i, I thought it was a good movie i see why it did well i think it was it it only cost them two hundred fifty thousand dollars to make mm-hmm. it and they made four million, million. from yeah. it so that's that's doing pretty well. So that's a return on your I investment. Thumbs up. That's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. Um, yeah, I thought that that kind of like that switch from Dooley Hill's character to mm-hmm. um, you know who who was bigging himself up like you know like he's he is like the master OG in this town. You know the number one you know drug dude, and yet he really only has two boars. And so, right. so much so that he's got to draft on this low-level kid who doesn't look like he's even held a water gun before, let, mm-hmm. let alone a real gun. Um, so that that didn't track for me either. I I, I have to agree with that as well. Um, uh, Vince, what, what were your uh, initial thoughts on on Slight? Well, well, on, on the film, in, I, I thought it was a really well done film. Uh, you know, I love the acting. Mm-hmm. I thought the story was great. I actually wrote three or four times in my notes the word economy. Mm. Like, I love the economy of the script and how it conveyed information. But now what I want to talk about is I completely disagree with both of you all. Angelo made perfect sense to me. Angelo and his moves made perfect sense to me. And for some of the reasons you all said, like, Lynn, I don't think he was a huge dealer. But, I mean, he said it. He's trying to build something. And right now he's got these two morons working for him, like they're muscle. Right. And, you know, one of the, I think the first thing he says when Angelo comes in is that if these two don't watch it, you're going to be working for them. That's true. He and does then, say that. Yeah. You know, one of the things that he says at the end when he's so angry at him is that I invested in you. I got the sense that Angelo was trying to bring him up and take him under his wing. Because he saw a future for him, for Bo in his drug dealing empire, mm. and I and and I actually put like I think Angelo was like the most ethical drug dealer I've ever seen in media. Like he kind of kept his word. He kind of you know he goes with the guys that moved in. He told them what was going to happen, and then it happened. And you said that Bo didn't do anything. Bo cut his drugs. No, Bo only cut his. Go ahead. Apparently, he cut it. Look, I don't know. But Bo only cut his drugs because he was like, "You have to do like 
the the thing that happened is like one minute you have this low level guy who's showing up at clubs, who's giving people, you know, seeing kids in the street. Like he's just like this friendly dude who's selling stuff on the side. Then Bo says to him, yo, you got a pretty lady, you got a pretty girl, I'm gonna give you some money, you could take her out to eat. Okay, that's pretty enough. But I need you to still do some low level stuff, like figure out who this dude is, um, who this who this who's selling, who else is selling drugs in, in this area. Right. The, but then it so then it should have stayed that way. Then it changed. Then he calls him up and is like, "You need to come with me to kill him." Like that's not what a low level dude does. He doesn't have to show up with the muscle to go kill somebody else. That's not his job. That's well, not in his I'm job thinking, description. But that's my point. He didn't want him to be low level. He but wanted you gotta him tell to tell me. On. But the other thing is too. I think that you said he was ethical. Isn't there? Isn't there communication? Like there should have been a conversation where he was like, "Yo, I want you to move up." And then Bo could have said, nah, man, dealer. I'm not trying to do that. I mean, because, he's still a drug dealer. Well, but that I'm just makes saying... it like a, a gang initiative. Like, that's, it just, I mean, it would have made, I just needed another level of explanation where there was a, where there he, where he could have said, well, you know, if you don't do this, you know, I gave you this, like something where, something where he, Bo knows that if he goes, that if he had gone further, he would have. He was. He was in it for the long haul. Right, it just you know, happened overnight. It's like one minute he's like this low level dude. Next minute he's going with him to kill somebody. I he, saw it as a test, and he didn't go with him to kill somebody. He cut his hand off, and and that's one of the ways that the film surprised me because when he gave him the machete and said, "Now cut his hand off," I'm thinking, well, somehow the film is going to let him off the hook, and 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 Angelo is going to take it from him. Or he's going to do something, some sleight of hand. But then he actually cut his hand off. Because that's because Angelo said, if you don't cut his hand off, I'm going to cut your hand off. He didn't give him an option. And why would he? Did, he... I, I, I thought I, I Angelo made sense to me. Angelo you, made sense You're out of your effing mind, Vince. Because at one Angelo moment you say, you say he's an ethical drug dealer. In, in, at he, one part, yeah. and, and he's talking he to the dude. He's talking to the dude. He's sitting down with the dude, and he's trying to talk. You know, like I'm a businessman and all this type of stuff. And look, and, either and, leave this area or you give me a percentage. He told him. He told him. Okay, 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 okay. But first well, of all, I've seen drug dealers on TV do that before. That's kind of what they do. Yeah, that's kind of what they do. But but That's to Elizabeth, but to Elizabeth's point, he he ropes. He, he Angelo ropes Bo into you know finding out who who the new guy is on the street, and that's something that low and that's something typical like you know a little extra errant. You have your low your low level boy do okay, so he does that. Then for whatever reason, he needs um, Bo to come with him to see the low level boy. Now at first I was going to say okay that makes sense if. He's, you know, he needs him to identify a low-level boy, but it doesn't seem like he really needs him to do that because they figured out who the boy was without him. He comes up showing up like, yo, I found out who it is. Come on, take this run with me. You mean you got to take this run? Like, that's, that's not that's not in my job description. Like, hold up, hold up. I looked at, I looked at the posting on Craigslist. It said nothing about taking a run at this, at this boy's house. But he goes because, you know, all right, you know. Maybe he has to ID him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, who knows? I so I got to go. pull him in the whole time. And then they go there. to pull him in the whole whole time okay so but maybe he's trying but but like elizabeth said if you if boy's sitting there on some business type 
stuff, then that means business one-on-one is that you have a conversation with your boy that you want to bring up, especially you trying to bring this boy up as your number two. Then you give, you let him know, like, yo, I'm not ready to give you the nod, but I'm letting you know that I'm looking at you. You know what I mean? And I'm also letting you know that if you take, you know, there's something to being said that if he, because he was just doing his job as he should have been doing his job, and then it changed on him. Right. So, and then he got, then he cut the drugs because he was like, it it just it was like if you he got he got caught up but it wasn't fair the way he got he he didn't start out trying to rip some it's not like he it would be one thing also if he had the drugs and I and he decided to cut the drugs without some provocation from him then you could see that happening yes. but he cut those drugs because one minute he was a low level dude and the next minute he's you know going out and cutting somebody's arm off like that wasn't part of his it, his job description changed without him knowing. And he, because I've seen movies before where people, he's like, he gets a taste of it, like, yo, I want to be better. And then right, they realize right. they want to get out of it. But he right. was happy where he was. He had his little stacks, he had his little girl, he had a sister, he was paying his rent. He wasn't, he didn't want to be, he he wasn't. I think Angela was trying to pull him in. And then, and then well, he, got, he got yeah. a little big for his britches. He got a little big for his britches and he cut the drugs and he got caught. Well, but but, he, but first of all, he didn't get big for his britches. He cut the drugs because he didn't want to take that that route. So his thing was, I'm gonna cut this so I can make a big deal. Hey, make for whatever reason, long he dough. cut them. But he cut he them because cut he had to. But he cut them because he had to pay Angelo back. Like no, he, no, no, it wasn't. To, no, 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 no. No, no he, he cut, cut them before. That's why Angelo got angry at. Him. Right, but he cut them I because was, he cut them because Angelo. He, he saw that Angelo wasn't like you know this you know dude that was different uh, as, mm-hmm. as a right, drug right, dealer. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. So he, he realized like, yo, dealer. I gotta make some some quick money quick right, so that we can out roll out. He can get out because he wanted to get out right. after he cut his hand. And, and, right. and the way I'm going to get out is by cut basically drugs. stealing mm-hmm. from Angelo, and mm-hmm. then he got caught. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I, then Angelo said, "You give me the mm-hmm. fifteen, give me the extra fifteen, and then give me the asshole tax." Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right. K. Martin says that I think an ethical drug dealer is an oxymoron, Vince, or perhaps <laughs> just a moron. Maybe ethical isn't isn't the right word, but he had his own code of morals. He had a code. Mm. Mm. Like, I think he was pretty straightforward. Angela was pretty straightforward. He was like Omar. He had a code. <laughs> he, appropriately enough, he was like Omar. He had a code. Well, the one thing that I will say about Angelo, who was portrayed by Dooley Hill, um, while I don't think Dooley Hill was doing his his best work in this movie, he was decidedly the best actor in this movie, at least to me. Um, so let me be the I thought one. Jacob Lattimore was charming. I thought he was a charming kid. He's a charming. That's, that's his, but that's what he plays. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's what charming. he does. But, but outside of that, he, I mean, he was charming enough, but I, yeah. I just, I guess for whatever reason, he just, I just didn't really connect with him. I just really mm-hmm. didn't, um, I didn't really connect with the story. I thought that there were, the most interesting part about the story to me was the fact that he doesn't actually have powers. It's that it, these yeah. are all, you know, self-engineered by turning his arm into a, an electric magnet, which 
rightfully so for this movie, they never fully explain how he does it because it makes no sense. But that's fine. That's sure. That's sure. comic mm-hmm. book movies. Um, yeah. So th- that's fine. But outside of that, I thought that many of the beats were kind of predictable. And I thought that the pacing of the film, while it is a good looking film and it's not badly directed, but I thought that the pace of the film was just a little, a little sluggish for me. And really, yeah. And it just, it just didn't get me involved in the story and these characters at all. Like, I just really did not care. I didn't care. I mean, I cared a little bit about Jacob Lattimore. He he was okay. But Sichel Gabriel, uh, Sichel Gabriel, or however you pronounce her name, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, um, as, as his girlfriend, Holly, I could have totally done without her. Um, I didn't think she brought anything to the table. I, I honestly wish they did had excised her out and just had more of him and Storm Reed. I kind of like their mm. dynamic, but you didn't see a lot of Storm Reed. She was kind of like left on the right. on the side a little bit, you know? Um the uh Sashir Zamata who plays his neighbor, she offers a little bit of gravitas to to the film, but she's in and out of the film as well. Um I just really felt that it was, it just, it just, at the end of the day, it just really didn't connect to me. And I felt the movie was like a little bit of a, just meh. It was just like, uh, okay. I I thought that slight was slight. I really liked it. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was tight. You, you know, they, you, what is it? 135, 138 something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, I love the economy of the script. I love the way information was conveyed. Um, I think Jolie Hill was the best actor in the film because he, his role was the media. Mm. Um, I found Jacob Lattimore perfectly charming in this role. I, and, and, you know, what I said was between the script and Jacob Lattimore, when they finally get around to, making a Miles Morales film, I feel like when they get the team in the room, if they don't pull people from this film to be on the team, they should show this movie to them. Because tonally, I, I like, the, I, I like the, the sort of down-the-earthness of it, much like both of you. I thought he was actually using magic until, you know, you, you find out that it's the magnet, which... You know, the movie plays fair. The first thing it tells you is that he's this engineering genius, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I like that part of it too. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I I was pleasantly surprised by it. And as far as the beat, like I said, I like the fact, and you know, I'm going to go back to him cutting off the guy's arm. I like the fact that this wasn't some perfect, pristine kid. Like I like that he that he was actually desperate. Like, you know, he stole the money from um, Carmen Esposito's character. He, you know, he's dealing drugs. You know, how often do we see someone actually dealing drugs that we're supposed to feel some sympathy for? And he did cut the dude's arm off. And there's a version of this story where I was curious if something had happened to his sister, what was he going to do to those three? Mm. And that made him a much more interesting character than, you know, 
Peter Parker clone number 4087 that you see in these things. You're wrong, Vince. So anyway. <laughs> I mean, you can say that, but... <laughs> Everyone else liked the movie but you. <laughs> well, that's not true. Kay Martin says, I really don't understand how this film made $4 million. Did it come out during Corona and promise everyone a year of free mass? I'm perplexed. Doesn't sound like she enjoyed the film. <laughs> that's a little harsh, though. But um, I, 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 do, I have to say, I just really... I just felt like... The magic scenes were were well done. I, I'll give you that. But I just felt that... Um, I don't know. I just felt like it was just going through the paces. It just, it just... I wasn't looking for anything new. I wasn't expecting anything mm-hmm. new. All right? That's fair. But... I was looking for... I don't know maybe a little bit more grittiness to it or a little bit more of a character. He cut a dude's arm off. So what? So what? He was following orders. He was... Grittier than that. There's a lot grittier than that. Please. There's a lot grittier there's a lot grittier things than that. Um, it just... It, and, and don't get me wrong. I understand this was a low-budget film. It was only shot for $250,000. There's only but so much you can do in this film, especially when it, it is dealing with powers. So you have mm-hmm. to, you know, really be a depth of hand with your cinematography and your special effects. But, and some of them were cool, like him, you know, spinning the, spinning the ring and, and he is a, he, he is a charming dude. It's just that, I don't know. It just, it just was boring. I don't know. It just, I just, well, I think it was I, the thing. The thing about Jacob Lattimore, the first movie I saw him in was the movie with Will Smith when he's one of the angels. Um, oh, um, uh, um, oh wow! Not it's not seven. Not seven. Um, it's it's um it's it begins with a C. Um, collateral beauty. Wow, I yeah, collateral. Yeah, collateral. Got all about that. Movie. So that that was the first movie I saw him in, and he plays, you know, the the part of what his charm is in in these movies is that he's he's always kind of a character that's a little bit of enigma mm-hmm. like he's not just a straightforward guy he's mm-hmm. a he's got he's a mind reader he's a he can levitate he mm-hmm. just appears um so the role was kind of good for him in this in this sense and he's also um i don't know if you guys watched but then he can also play i don't know if you guys watched the shy um, oh yeah, yeah. This I've last seen, episode, because you know, but he's in. He's he starred basically after old boy got canned. Um, Easy E got canned. The guy that played Easy E got canned because he was um, sexually harassing people on set. They made him. Um, they elevated his character, so he always plays like the charming, smiling guy who can get a who kind of can get away with something. Who's a little bit better than you think he is, and has a little bit of magical and flair. So. For me, I think this this role was kind of purpose perfectly made for him mm-hmm. um, okay. because that's that. just that's just kind of who he 
um, kind of who he is. I feel like it's getting dark and I need to put the light on here. So oh, it happens to me every week. I'm sorry. I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, how did it get so dark? No, um, no, we, we see you fine, though. You, you look good. Yeah, okay. you're fine. So... He um so I so I so in that case and that's kind of what made me choose the movie because I'm like oh this is going to be kind of interest interesting on that I think part of the reason you were bored um Len because it was me it's like I wanted to, I did want to know more about the power like I wanted to know how he put that in his arm now he went to see his teacher which we didn't talk about like you know he went to see his teacher in the movie and his teacher helped him refine it right. but what exactly. And, and you guys, like, so it was an electric, so he could move things. Like, he, he became, you know, the powers that we see people like the X-Men do with their head, he kind of engineered with his arm. Right. So I wanted to, I needed a scene to see him kind of do that. Like, not talk about doing it, but do it. Like, just a little bit. I mean, and you see, you see a little hands. bit, you see a little bit of it because, like, where he the creation started it was a little infected on his arm well right it was infected right, right. they never explained that like they never explained right. like you know how does how long has it been there you know I, we wanted more details like maybe we should have shown him as a little kid doing magic and you know they needed to be like a, maybe a flashback scene there was something in there that we missed that was kind of that's why it was a little boring because we didn't understand we he told us what motivated him which is like okay Anytime you could do something that no one else can do, then you have magic and you have power, but you didn't really see him exercise it. Exactly. He needed to do, and we needed to see him kind of use his powers before that big crescendo in the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in the end, like before he's doing, because like every, that's the thing about the movie, which is the problem. Everything about the dude is low level. And then he just blows up at the end, right? He's a low level Mm -hmm. drug dealer. He's doing low level magic tricks. Then he's moving cars. Like, right. I didn't get, there was no middle, this, the, the arc of the story needed a little it's, bit more it's, detail. It's not there. And, and, with the- it, and it's not there. And I think that's, but, but back to Vincent's part, it's economy of size. And he realized that when his sister was taken from him, he had to do something big. And he had to scare this dude and step up. So he didn't really have time for a middle, but I never thought, it's kind of like the motivation of him. I don't, think his magic he was never motivated to be that dude he just that dude happened to him right that dude is thrust on him like it's like, thrust like, upon like, him like that's not like we said that's not his thing mm-hmm. you know I, I Lynn to your point about all the beats like I think we know you, you know this is our second or third gregarious drug dealer mm-hmm you know, I was thinking about there, there's a movie we watched a few weeks ago, Elizabeth. Um, a hero ain't nothing but a sandwich. Hmm. And Kevin Hooks. Yeah, that's back in the sixties. Yeah, I would have like that would have been a good one to do. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> but what I put in my notes is like, you know, it's the gregarious drug dealer. And mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed that people are still falling for the gregarious drug dealer. But then the scene right after that, he talks to um his neighbor and and they address it straightforward you, you know i i didn't I, I he was just the guy that gave me money you know gave me a job and now i look up and i'm a drug dealer a year later and i'm gonna go you know i'm still gonna i'm gonna keep saying it i kept waiting for the big reversal i kept waiting for the big switch i kept waiting for 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 basically when we see crime and, and, and we talk about there's no honor among thieves, 
mm-hmm. so that at one point you and I have a deal and then you break the deal. You, you know, the, and the gregarious drug dealer is now no longer gregarious because he's a drug dealer right. and he's a criminal and everything that goes with that. But and, I guess that makes sense. But that's the thing we, when, even when there's a gregarious drug dealer, the gregarious, you see there's a, there's a tipping point to the gregarious yes, drug exactly. dealer. The, the gregarious drug dealer doesn't start, end up gregarious and then end up cutting off somebody's arm. Hey, uh, but, you know, but, 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 but not that he can't do it, but he, you, you, in the movie, there needed to be a more of a, and that's what the, the, I guess now I'm thinking about this, the big problem with this movie was, is that there was no, there was no foreshadowing. There was no, there he was beat no. the dude up when he went to go see him. Like, I thought that was significant that Dulé Hill, like Angelo beat the dude down. Like when the dude starts start talking the smack, and Angelo said, you know, this is not how you do business and, and this, that, and the other. And this is a moment that surprised me. Okay, I but- said, oh, well, this is when his muscle is going to beat him up. But they didn't. They held the guns on him, and then Angelo beat him up. And that's and cool, said, and that's cool because that shows the other side of the coin for Angelo. Right. But we to never me, got that was to. But what the problem is, is that we never got to why he changed. With he never explained to us why he all of a sudden expected so much more from Bo. That's the problem. Like what he just, you know, he took Bo went out to dinner. Bo was doing low level stuff. Bo was a low level dude. So why the hell did he smart. show up at his house? Yeah, but but he didn't even tell Bo that. Oh, like you're so smart. I want you to be my right hand man. And Bo could say, Nah, I don't want to do that. Or yes, I do want to do it. It was just like Bo was. It was he, Bo was in his house chilling. The dude knocks on the door and it's like, Yo, you need to come with me to make this run. And next thing you know, he's not low level anymore. So that's the question. We don't know. It it, it he went and. It went from light to dark too fast. And and the other point, the other part that was bothering me, speak, speaking about the a little bit of the whole foreshadowing that you're talking about, Vince, is that while you do see Bo messing with his arm and the infection on his arm, right? Um, mm-hmm. And you see him like playing with the batteries because I guess he uses batteries mm-hmm. as a way to to, to right. charge it up and everything like that. What you don't see is outside of seeing the infection and outside of a later scene of having his girlfriend see the infection, you don't see the effect of the infection. You don't see him at any time while he's exercising his magic or anything like that. You don't see him like even just kind of like being picking at his arm or anything or anything. You don't you don't see the the weight of what he has done to himself um, beginning to have an effect on him outside of every time he takes off his shirt, there is an infection there that he seems to be worried about. And it seems to look really messy to the people, but it doesn't, it's not causing him any great pain so much. So, but when he then later in the last third of the movie, with his teacher. It has to go to his teacher to to level up. You know, right. there's, there's this concern, oh, well, you've got this bad infection. If we level it up, you know, are we, are, you know, what, it, this might exasperate the problem no, already. No, no, well, no, there, is, there is no problem going on. No one, no one said any, the infection was a problem the entire movie. What he said to the teacher about the extra power was the feedback 
and it would burn his arm up. The infection wasn't an issue because the infection wasn't an issue. But the teacher did the say, back- look at what you it did. Was, it was the backpack that was the issue with the extra power. And then when he comes out, his arm is burned up. Like, in my mind, they didn't, you want to talk about a, a deficiency in the script. I don't even know why they brought the infection up. Because it, 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 it wasn't an issue. The whole movie. Well, that, that's the whole Chekhov's gun thing of the script. If you're going to bring it up in the first half of the movie, then it has to play a part in the last half of the movie. Look, and, and, you know, and, and it doesn't play a part in all in the movie. And that's why you don't feel for the dude. That's why I didn't care about him. No, no, no. You don't care about the dude that he's stuck between a rock and a hard place? I care that he has to go rescue his daughter, but the, the, the rock and the hard place that, to Elizabeth's point, the, the rock and the hard place is where he put himself. You know what I mean? Like, quiet is kept. If he had, if let's say, before he cuts up the dough because he sees where this is going and he wants to right. get out. If right. we're led to believe, and I even though I think this line comes after this, but if we're led to believe that at that point he had saved up $5,000, then right. $5,000, while it is not enough to start a new life, $5,000 is enough for him and his little sister to move from where they are. $5,000 is enough for him to, to, if he really feels like I need to get out of this, is enough to make a move. But to your point, he doesn't because he feels like he's got to cheat from Angelo and put himself in this hard place, which is fine if that's where the story wants to go. But let's see what are the ramifications of that hard place. We've already seen this infection. So now to me, he's like even putting more of a bet on these powers that he's been giving himself and has been mm-hmm. low leveling in their exhibition. Now he's going to have to, you know, exercise them more to the detriment of, of what is going on in his arm. But you don't, you don't get that. And that is all set up by showing the infection in, in the beginning by also showing the girlfriend notice the infection. Oh baby, that doesn't look good. You know? Um, so, so there is, I mean, is it the infection or is it just the thing sticking out of his arm? Well, no, she said about the infection. She said that thing, it doesn't look good. It does not look healthy. It does not look right. So there are words given to that effect and yet it never plays a part in what's happening at all and i'm going to going to real quick before i let you uh talk Kay martin who is watching intently it appears says that she gives agrees with vince that angelo was just trying to develop him to come up in his team angelo just didn't send a memo well a- angelo has got bad communication he's not a good well, he's not manager. like he's not like the barksdale organization and, and they, they don't they have meetings and things <laughs> yes he obviously didn't watch the wire that's true right right that's true which to switch drug dealers on the wire. Remember Marlo, when Marlo, uh, when Chris tells Marlo he wants to start developing one of the kids, and he says, yeah, he's got big paws, like a puppy. <laughs> Which is what I thought about with Angelo and, and Bo. It was like, yeah, he sees Bo has potential. Mm. Yeah, well. <laughs> Elizabeth? Well, I think we should also talk about the ending because Mm -hmm. although I thought, although I was semi-satisfied with him scaring the bejesus out of Angelo 
and doing his whole magic thing to get out of this mess. Um, I feel like the ending, when she sees him in the end, I'm like, well, what what does that mean? Like, now is he just going to have this forever? Is there going to be a part two? Like, I feel, I feel like there wasn't enough explanation. Like, while I did like the movie and while I was suspense, while I felt suspense through it and I thought that that the, the characters were good and I was, and I, and I like, I, I, I went by suspense. Like, I wanted to know what was going to happen to him. But at the end, I didn't feel like, that's why I wouldn't call it a superhero movie because I feel in superhero movies, we're, we're, we get an origin story. Things are explained to us. Mm. There's a better, there's a better, it tracks better um, as to why this guy is like this and what he does. And like you said, that infection would have definitely played a role mm-hmm. in, or a larger role in, in that origin story or in that story. Like they wouldn't have just thrown that in. Um, but what I feel like in the end, I'm just like, she opens the door and it's like, Oh my God. And that's it. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. And I'm like, well, does, does this mean, did he lose his arm? Did it, you know, does he now have a bionic arm? Um, can, you know, does his arm light up when you see him? Like there's more, I feel like there was, well, I think you could argue, I think you could argue as far as the superhero. I mean, no, if you just watch this for what it is, it is not Mm -hmm. a superhero film, Mm -hmm. but there is an argument to be made that in much the same way as Unbreakable is a super a de facto superhero film, mm-hmm. there, there's an argument to be made that this is potentially the origin story of a superhero, you know, mm-hmm. which would then Maybe. make it make it a superhero film. So I'll give you that. I'll give you that argument. That being said, the ending didn't do anything for me either because it was whack. It was whack. It was just real, real whack and whack. whack. What what did y'all want? I mean, I wanted to see him in there glowing like Iron Man or something. Like I want two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You got to work with. Okay, Vince, but let's not act like, you know, we've been on this mission for about four years now, bruh. And yeah. don't, let's not act like we haven't seen films made for similar budgets that have a more compelling and thoughtful beginning, middle, and end. No, no, no. Right now we're talking about the effects. Just the effects. I thought it was a, I thought it was a nice use of limited resources with the effects. Like, you get the sense He's in there, uh, you know, they show the box with the big lock on it mm-hmm. so that you know he's doing something. And then you have the scene, the electricity has gone off because the clock is blinking. Like the electricity has gone off and come back on. And then you see the light shimmer. So whatever he's doing, he's in there dicking around with electricity. And then her, <gasps> it's like, you know what's going on in that room? something big like he's not giving up like you, you know you talked about him going to the teacher and i have to say i was i was a little like eh. like he goes to the white guy to help him at the end 
after he's been kind of self-sufficient the whole time. Uh, and, and just to that point, real quick, Orphan Pickle, Pixel says, if we were following the thread of Bo's inventive skill, then the price paid of the infection right. exactly. makes sense. But the upgrade isn't Bo's, it's the teacher's, exactly. so it diminishes Bo's arc. Exactly, which is why I like the fact that when they're in San Diego, he's working on his own again. And you see the glow in the That's exactly what I was thinking. Like if it had ended with him going in there all Neo because the, the teacher helped him, I would have been like, well, what Orphan Pixels just said. So I actually like the end. Well, it sounds like that makes only one of us that didn't like the end, but I think I've veered Elizabeth closer to my side. Sure. In our conversation. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I liked the movie. It was suspenseful. I liked the characters. I liked the kids. I mean, the kids, I mean, you know, I always liked Storm Reed, but I wish there was like, yeah. I feel like Storm, I feel like Storm Reed, I don't know if you guys watched um, that show on HBO that she was in with um, Euphoria. Um, oh, and she I, I, always, I didn't see that, but I heard it. Oh, Euphoria is crazy. And that is not a child show. It is a mess. But <laughs> I was, I, I, you're just like, talk about train wrecks. Oh my God. Wow. But you're watching Euphoria, I watched Euphoria in it. And except for the movie she did, what, the Oprah movie that Storm mm. Reid did. A wrinkle um, in Time. Wrinkle in Time, um, which I really, did, which I did like. She's always like the sister who, she's always the biracial sister who doesn't really look like anybody else because she's Storm Reid and she has her own look. Mm-hmm, um, right. And she just, but she, I feel like they don't use her enough and stuff because I feel like she's good and she's cute like you said she's good and she's cute and she probably was like, she's probably like 72 and we don't know it. But <laughs> she's, um, she's, I feel like we never get to utilize her. She's just like this kid who's really sweet and is is a younger sister to some, you know, to to a sibling that's always doing something stupid and she has to take the brunt. She gets kidnapped, she gets beaten up, she gets tricked, right. she gets, you know. So I feel like there was that we needed more of of her. It would have been nice to see more of her in in this movie. Um, I agree. So I so while I I did I did like the movie, but there were. But while so while I think I, I agree with Vincent with the the economy of, of the movie and the and the you know the the the, the good interestingness of the script and the interestingness of the character, I also kind of agree with Lynn because there are gaping holes in in the story and in the arc and things that just did things to me that if I was writing it, things that didn't make sense that somebody needed to say, yo, there's a hole here. This isn't tracking. Um, so, but but then you have to just add how much did that take away from your enjoyment? I feel like Lynn feels it did take away more from his enjoyment. Me, I'm like, okay, I kind of accepted it, but it doesn't make any sense to me. And Vincent is like, they're non-issues. Um, and that's kind of where I am on this. So I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of in the middle. I also yeah. didn't need the girlfriend. I wanted, uh, I agree mm-hmm. with you about, I, I didn't need the girlfriend. Well, and that was supposed as- to make you feel like that was to show you the side of, of him where he was like, where he was like this caring dude that wanted to get out. He ultimately wanted to be a family man. He's a little shy. The girlfriend, with the girlfriend, you got to see how much, how charming he really was. I, I, I was about to say, I did like the date. Mm-hmm. You did see him being charming. Charming. And, and, yeah. and saving her. Like, and you know, you could, he has this kind of save, you know, save the savior complex thing where right. he wanted to come in and save her and make her live there and, you know, do all that. Um, right. So she didn't and, bother me. Yeah, and, and as far as holes in the plot, 
it it is interesting. We've been saying all along, is it a superhero movie? Is it not a superhero movie? I get the sense, and Lynn, you just name checked it. A, a film like Unbreakable or a film like, uh, you know, one of Michael B. Jordan's early movies, Chronicle. Mm. I, I get the sense that Dillard thought that superhero fans would see this. And as we've said, like, you know the beats. Like, you could have told this whole story within, like, like Lynn, I know you knew the, the entire plot of this film within five minutes. Yes, I did. Because, again, it's a Peter Parker riff. Like, like it really is this kid, and he kind of goes through this stuff. So that, in my mind, the difference between holes in the plot and, you know, this story is more about the audience mm-hmm. than the film itself. So... And as somebody who, like I said, you know, I've seen this a million times. I liked it. Um, Kay Martin says that the budget shouldn't affect the quality of the story, to which Orphan Pixel says, right on, Martin, agreed. Script needed a couple of extra passes. Um, with that being said, Elizabeth Wellington, this was your choice. Would you yeah. recommend that people watch slight yeah i would recommend people watch it it's it's it, it, it's entertaining it's it's it, it's a different kind of flick it's charming it's interesting it's it's you know it's 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 not um it's not a you know what too it's not a predictable black movie if that makes sense like it okay. didn't it wasn't like it wasn't mm-hmm. like you know I didn't feel like I, I I thought I mean I enjoyed it for what it was and there was I would I was watching it watching at my sister's house and my brother-in-law comes down and he sits down he's like oh my god like so there was there was enough <laughs> there was levels in there where we were sitting and he didn't even watch from the beginning he's like oh my god he's not gonna get out of that he has a slightly Latino accent. he's not going to get out of that he's going to fry he's the mess so <laughs> he, he kind of so he did. So there was that sense of like, you know, he wasn't watching it for a purpose, but he stopped what he was doing and he sat down and he watched it. So I think it's enjoyable, but I do think there were, there were holes with, with the script and I think it could have been better if it tracked better. I got you. I got you. What about mm-hmm. you, Vince? Oh yeah. I recommend it. I like mm-hmm. it. I liked it. I thought it was lean. I, I, unlike a few of you all, I actually like the script. Mm-hmm. I like the script. I, I like the, the actors. Um, you, you know, my one critique, and we haven't talked about. Apparently, this was planned originally as a television show, mm-hmm. and, and and you know, my one critique is I would have liked more of this story and more mm-hmm. of this character. Uh, Lynn liked you. I could take or leave the girlfriend, but but I think Elizabeth made a good point. Without the girlfriend, you don't see that part of Jacob Latta Lattimore charm. Mm-hmm. So then she kind of serves that purpose. Uh, definitely could have used more Storm Reed, but yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I'd recommend it. Well, to that point, I disagree. I think that without the girlfriend, you could have you could have seen his charm even more on display with it via his relationship with his his sister, as well as his relationship with the friend next door. Because I liked I what I. Uh, appreciated about the friend next door who admittedly was an older person was that um there was there was honesty 
with that relationship. That is one thing I mm-hmm. will say. Like, there wasn't no hemming and hawing about, you know, like, I don't want you to find out that I'm a drug dealer or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say that there was just like, just straight up forthrightness in their friendship. And I think that that did speak to the character. And I thought that if that was a, allowed a little bit more breathing room, that could have showed you just as much charm as hit the relationship with the girlfriend brought to the table. Um, and I think, but I also think to agree with you, Lynn, and that's, and that's why I think that that hole, which I kind of, I feel like I'm holding on to, which is a problem. The fact that we didn't know the, the fact that, you know, this guy all of a sudden, because I think he was he was so kind of open, like we knew he was a drug dealer. He he spoke. He was very charming to dudes that were in his car saying, don't don't sell drugs to catch girls. You know, he was mm-hmm. doing he was very open. That's why I think if he was so transparent, he would have his his chance. He was so transparent as a person that he would have spoken with. Um, Dulé's character I'm like nah that's not what I want to do and that's where the transparency stopped and that's why that that hole is so to me such a hole in the story because now he's in a mess and it doesn't make sense that he's in this mess like he really shouldn't like it, with good writing that mess would have been explained more because of his um, transparency um, yeah. Yeah. and he wasn't him and he never it's not that he it's not that he wasn't cool with being a drug dealer he just wasn't cool with being a drug dealer who killed people. Mm-hmm. And he and there was no reason for him to be caught up in killing this person, except for this drug dealer who went from light to dark any minute and it didn't explain why he was like with this character. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Now, now, as much as I have come down against mm-hmm. the film, mm-hmm. I I will say that I would recommend that people watch the film because mm-hmm. You know, it is a little $250,000 film. It Mm -hmm. is well made for the most part. Jacob Lattimore, I I will agree that he is charming enough. I just don't think that the script does him any favors. Um, But he is charming enough in the film. Um, I like Dooley Hill. Dooley Hill is one of my favorite Mm -hmm. actors of all time. I like him. Mm -hmm. So I can watch Dooley. And it's fun to watch this side of Dooley Hill. You know, like, you know, uh, if you grew up on the West Wing and then to see, you know, Charlie, now all of a sudden it's it's a drug dealer. It's like, whoa, what happened? Like, but it was, I was, I was digging it. Um, So he's he's like a sharp businessman type guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, Kind of like went to Harvard, perfect dude. Right, yeah. right, right, mm. right. You know, so and I would recommend it because you know, damn it, you know there are tons of two hundred and fifty thousand dollar white films that are or that are, you know, not successful and not being seen. So go watch this film. Watch these film with all of these um, these people of of color doing doing their damn thing and who knows maybe if it becomes more of a sensation maybe we do get slight too and see what mm-hmm. happened on the other side of the end of the film so and i thought it was artsy like it still had that artsy feel to it which mm-hmm. probably helped me kind of forgive some of its problems because it felt like it felt kind of indie and artsy and different like it mm-hmm. didn't it wasn't like a big blockbuster where all this stuff was happening it was it was still kind of artsy and smaller. Like it deserved a chance. Orphan Pixel says that I'm not mad at slight. We're allowed to have middling fo- films. You learn more <laughs> from average, average flicks. flicks. That's very true. And Kay Martin mm-hmm. uh, says to you, Elizabeth, uh, the only way I recommend this would be with a bottle of LaMarca. <laughs> okay. I like you, Kay Martin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. 
So um, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, go check out Slight. Check it out. Uh, and and let us know what you think of of this film. Um, before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week on the Michaud Mission, I first want to invite each and every one of you who has any feedback that they want to share with us. You can email us, ladies and gentlemen. Email us at Mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Me Show Mission. Join the Facebook group on um, at Me Show Mission, where we have a lot of fun talking back and forth with all of our missionaries. The Me Show Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network, the Podglomerate curated podcast just for your listening pleasure. And you can check out the podcast the show available as a podcast every Wednesday morning in your podcast feed. Wherever you get podcasts, you will find the Me Show Mission, one of Apple Podcasts' top-rated film review uh, podcasts. It, we're up there. You don't need to know where. We're there. That's all that counts. Um, and the more five-star reviews and ratings that we get, the higher in the rankings we go. So give us a five-star rating and review if you really like the show, ladies and gentlemen. And our show is available in an edited form every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM, 106.5 FM, Philly Cam, People Power Media here in the city of Brother Philly Love Cam. and Sisterly Affection. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. And if you have enjoyed as much as we have having someone like Elizabeth Wellington on your show and you want to get in the business of, the, of Elizabeth Wellington and you're, you can follow her on the Philadelphia Inquirer, which a lot of her her stories are available on philly.com. She actually did a nice little, little uh, piece on uh, Chadwick Boseman that she spoke with uh, the both of us about uh, as well. Mm -hmm. And she did a piece on the Black Tribbles talking about Afrofuturism because she's that dope. Um, and if you want to get in touch with Elizabeth, where can people do so, Elizabeth? You can tweet me at E. Wellington, P-H-L. Um, you can hit me up on email at ewellington at inquire.com. I am on Facebook, Elizabeth Wellington. I'm on Instagram, ewellingtonphl. Um, I am on LinkedIn. I am everywhere. So um, I am not hard to find. All those cats be like, I couldn't find you. Yes, you could. So um, yeah, so I'm not hard to find. So yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Yeah, Elizabeth. yeah. This has been great. You. Thank fun. you. And, and, um, Please promise that you you'll return one day when you have another movie you want to review. I'll come back. I know it's hard. All of my favorite movies you guys have usually um, reviewed already. Have you guys done? Oh, what is that movie um, about? Last night. Have you done that one yet? No, no. I love that movie. So if that, that one, movie? it's such a good movie, and it's like because I really, I am like a, a sucker for like the black romance films. Like that's what I'm writing like a romance yeah. novel. I just want to do all that. So I would love to come on to talk about about last night because it was such a good movie. I mean, I've watched it a zillion times. Michael Ely's like a little vanilla ice cream cone. So I would so love to <laughs> to do that movie um, hey. and talk about that. 
And um, brother can't even be a caramel ice cream cone. <laughs> white chocolate, maybe I don't know, but it's just um yeah. So I just I love and Kevin Hart's really funny, and it's one of those movies yeah. I discovered late. Like I didn't, I saw it like like on BET or something like one night. Yeah, um, and, and Regina then, Hall. And she is hilarious in that movie. So, and I should have recommended that. I was one of those ones like, oh, I could have recommended. But yeah, that's if, if I can go and talk about that movie, that would be fun. And that would be fun to talk to you guys about because I'm sure um, you're, you know, it's one thing to talk about superheroes and, and people busting out of black skin. But it's another thing to talk about um, <laughs> um, straight romance stuff. <laughs> And the believability of it. And that's really, really fun. Like, a brother wouldn't do that. Well, a brother should do that. It's like, really fun to talk about. <laughs> All right. So, can't wait All to make right. that happen. Most certainly. Okay. Cannot wait. Uh, next week, ladies and gentlemen, I think, I believe it's my turn to pick a film. Vince. It is. It All is right? your turn. So, what I'm going to do is I am, you know me, Vince, it's September, so it's time for me to dig into the crates. Um, All right, here we go. But fortunately, the missionaries already dug in the crates for for me. This film, uh, Walter Winchell says, was the best of the new film dramas of 1951. Um, The plot centers around the disappearance of Carolyn, a five-year-old black girl who falls into an abandoned, overgrown well while picking flowers. Uh, and in a film that tackles the issue of racial tensions and collective behavior, the 1951 drama The Well. That oh, is wow. what we will be Very watching nice. and reviewing next week here on the Michelle Mission. And if any of you are, you know, who out there who like to watch the films alongside with us, The Well is available in full on youtube so you can watch the film i mean that's a shame but yeah you know that is a shame and we will talk about that as well as the film next week here on the michelle mission and i'll give uh, uh, people a little um a little extra little news bonus vince you know you know because you know i like treating people like that uh the week after which will be, I believe, the 29th, if I'm correct. Is that correct, Vince? Mm-hmm. Will be the 29th. The, um, the week after that, we will be actually sitting down and reviewing a film that has come up more than a few, few times here on the Michelle Mission. So people will definitely appreciate this. We will be reviewing The Landlord. Yes, finally, finally. Yeah, I know. Everybody's been honest to review the landlord, like left and right, but um, like for years. <laughs> I I know it's like like geez, I mean like it's, it's that movie like that deep, but no people really right right. Really, I gotta look that one up. I don't even know. About yeah, that oh one. yeah, oh yeah. It's 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 come up like a, more than a time or two here on the Michelle Mission. So we will finally be sitting down to review the landlord. Uh, in two weeks here on the Michelle Mission, and we will have a very special guest, Marcellus Armstrong of the Scribe Video Center here in Philadelphia, will be sitting in with us to review that film. So, Excellent. The, the Well next week, The Landlord the week after. There you go. That's what's coming up on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen. All right? Until All then, right. we got to get out of here. Thank you, Elizabeth, once again for taking yeah, the time to sit with you, us. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And uh, he's Vince... 
I'm Len. In parting, we say... We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.